Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Life Runners Podcast. A couple things I wanted to talk about today, kind of more on the current events side of watches um, than maybe on the vintage or, you know, learning about vintage, learning about watches or something like that. I wanted to discuss a fairly big sporting event that took place yes, uh, this past weekend, which was the American Football Super Bowl, um, where um, the Philadelphia Eagles played against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, there was some watch spotting. I want to talk about Rihanna's watch because I think it is... Obviously, there's a lot of watches that were spot, but I think Rihanna's watch was a, is a pretty significant, um, significant watch just for... Um, I don't know. I think the ladies and watches and, 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 the, and the place that watches actually play, you know, plays in, in, in their lives. I'll then talk about the incredible Code 1159 by Automa Piquet, Universal RD number four, which um, is a, a real, in my opinion, shows what Code 1159 is about and also is a fairly significant um, piece that's been released by this, by this brand. Um, to me, one of the most important watches that they've released over the last 10 years. And then I'll close off with, of course, discussing MBNF, my favorite independent watch company. I've been covering in MBNF for basically every, all the years that I've, I've been running Life on the Wrist, I've covered them. So we'll be talking about one of their new watches that they released or a new version of one of their watches that they've released. So as I mentioned, I wanted to start off with Rihanna. I, um, I know that we have an international audience, so perhaps you, you don't, don't follow American football. If you live in the U.S., maybe you don't follow the American football either. But um, the uh, Super Bowl is essentially the, the final match of um, the American football season where the two best teams come together and play against each other to win the, the, you know, the, the, the grand trophy. Um, every year they have a halftime show, which means in the middle of the game, after one of the halves is played, there is typically an artist who uh, performs um, their music as sort of a, you know, entertainment while, while um, halftime goes, goes on. This year, Rihanna was one of the, <clears throat> was the performer for uh, the halftime show. It was pretty incredible uh, to see her perform. Um, if you... I didn't watch the game, but I did catch the um, highlights on, on uh, the next day, and I also watched uh, some of her performance. And it was really cool to see her perform because, you know, uh, let's say, you know, she, she, she performed a lot of her classics and uh, songs that were um, extremely popular when they were first released. Of course, being watch enthusiasts, and I'm sure many of you who did watch the game or watch the highlights, um, you probably were wondering if she was wearing a watch. And, of course, the watch spotters did find that she was wearing a, um, a watch on her wrist. The watch was made by uh, Jacob & Co. It was um, their time-only Jacob Brilliant Skeleton Northern Lights watch. Um, and she was wearing it on a matching red strap. This was an interesting piece for her to... to to choose for, for this type of performance, typically you would imagine someone to wear something a little bit more sporty when you are uh, performing, but I thought this was a really elegant choice by her and obviously matched her outfit and, and the performers uh, and the performance that they, they sort of put on. To give you a little bit more detail, I'll put a link in the show notes to the, to the watch. Um, it's a 44 millimeter uh, cased watch in stainless steel. Um, it has um, this um, incredible red mineral crystal dial 
uh, which allows you to see the movement really nicely, um, which I think is a cool feature to this watch. What's really sets this, this piece, you know, makes it stand out is it has uh, 251 pave set round cut diamonds around um, the outside of the, the dial, let's call it a bezel, outside of the, 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 outside of the, the, the watch. And then the crown itself has 30 round cut white diamonds. So you've got a real red motif going on here with a ton of um, really beautiful diamonds that um, make this piece very, very elegant. Um, the watch was originally um, made in 101 examples and uh, retailed for 72,000 US dollars. Um, this, is, this was a really cool piece for her to wear. I think it um, matched her outfit pretty well. I think the diamonds were really elegantly placed um, and um, it's, a, it's a beautiful watch for, for a lady to wear. I think this watch goes well beyond just the significance it has for this Super Bowl and Rihanna's sort of show. I think it shows that um, women, you know, women should look to, to sort of wear watches and, and it's not just a male dominated thing to do is to, to wear a watch. There are some really elegant watches that women can wear, including this, um, this Jacob and co, uh, that she was sporting. I also think it's a, it's, it's an interesting piece because one could describe this as a little bit more of an accessory with all of the diamonds on the watch, but it does come from Jacob & Co. with a pretty pretty nice looking movement, um, leaf hands, which I think are really beautiful. But I think it demonstrates a nice elegant way of wearing a watch in an, in an environment that might be a little bit more sporty. Um, I am going to mention this, uh, our, our video this week um, for our YouTube channel and the article for the editorial section of our website actually talks about sort of this maybe a shift away from stainless steel sports watches or sports watches in general. And I think this is an interesting watch to sort of um, talk about with this. Um, some women feel like they can't, they can't wear sports watches because they're so big, but there is this sort of, you know, boyfriend trend of watch that, that some people do wear. Regardless of your taste, I do think this is a nice piece and, and represents a nice one comeback for, for Rihanna and also a, a, a nice um, a nice accessory for her to be wearing. If you actually look at the rest of her outfit, she was wearing some nice earrings. I think she was wearing some, a nice uh, necklace, but her outfit was fairly simple. And so it was cool that this watch was actually um, a fairly large part of, of the outfit that she chose. There were some other watches that were spotted during the, the Super Bowl. I'll put, I'll put a link in the show notes to, um, there's, I, think, I believe there's a Hodinkee article where they talk about some other people like, uh, like Jay-Z and Gordon Ramsay. So um, be sure to check out the links um, to, to see some of the other watches that were spotted. Moving on, I'll, I'll shift gears a little bit and start talking about the Code 1159 by Automa Piguet, Universal RD uh, number four. The number four is the latest series. It's the latest in the series of watches dedicated to building on the existing vocabulary of complication and sort of pushes things in a new direction for, this, for, for them. It was developed over a period of se seven years and it's a grand complication with um, a, a crazy amount of, of, te of technicality that goes into this. It was inspired by the Le Universel uh, pocket watch movement made by Audemars Piguet in uh, 1899. Um, and it has 26 uh, complications, um, including a uh, grande and petite sonnerie, perpetual calendar, split second, jumping seconds, and deadbeat seconds chronograph. 
this watch is oftentimes thought of as rivaling the um, Henry Graves Super Complication. Um, and so this is a, a beautiful piece that's sort of um, based off of, of, of that watch. I won't go too in-depth on all the complications. I'll leave a link in the show notes to a really great revolutionwatch.com article if you want to read a little bit more about it. But what I wanted to discuss was Code 1159 as a, as a line of watches. When they were released, I think there was a lot of adversity to, to, the, to, the, to the lineup of watches because for some reason, um, many people thought the aesthetics of the, the pieces were not great. The movements that were used weren't as high quality as they would hope. And it was deviating from such a um, uh, such a a uh, iconic sort of well established design that many collectors love. Um, but I remember listening to the CEO of Automa Pige sort of introduce this this watch, and what he said is, you know, we do have the Royal Oak, which is a great foundation. It's a great um, uh, staple in, in Audemars Piguet and is, is a great way of describing the brand. But, you know, just creating Audemars Piguet Royal Oaks all the time is not really going to be innovative. Uh, you can add complications here and there, but you're not innovating from a design perspective as much as coming out with a new line of watches. And so the Code 1159 was, was a way to move Audemars Piguet into a new sort of environment, a new... A time period for the brand where they were able to take this existing design that they've come up with and release watches of incredible complications of cool design and um, at the end of the day innovate for, for the brand and I really that really stuck with me because I I love brands that have classical classic designs that they are that are tried and true and loved by many collectors but I do think that there is something about innovating and, and trying something new that brands need to do in order to come, come out with that new classic. Because 40, 50 da years down the, the road, I would hate for a brand to fail because they've been producing the same watch for the last you know 100 years or not have something that people would look back on you know the 2020s and say, wow, that was something that they released then and really has become an icon. And so I really love the Code Lim 59 some, some of the pieces more than others, but I do think that it's an important piece in the grand scheme of things for Automa Pia as a brand. I had the opportunity to actually hold one of these in person, and it's actually more impressive in person when you, when you not, not, the, not the RD4, uh, but uh, a, um, a Code 1159, and it's actually more impressive in, in the flesh, in the hand, when you have it in your hands and are able to put it on your wrist especially when you have the opportunity to look at the, the case profile so you can see um, how the lugs work or integrate with the, with the case and how the case design has been, has been manufactured. Um, this Universal RD number four, just to give you some of the specs, it's a, like I mentioned, grand and petite sonnerie, minute repeater, flying tourbillon, semi-Gregorian semi perpetual calendar, flyback chronograph, split seconds, and has an hours and minutes indicator as well. It's a 42 millimeter case. And you can get it in 18 karat white gold or pink gold. It has a 8 karat hunter uh, case back, which opens onto the Super Sonnerie Sapphire um, membrane. Has a water resistance of 20 millimeters. 20 millimeters. 20 meters. Um, the dial is opaline black um, galvanic gold dial. 
It also they also have an opaline beige PVD gold dial, and then lastly an open work style with black flang paired with a uh, white with a white or pink gold ca uh, case. These are obviously on on price on request. I don't know if they're produced in limited um, quantities. That is something that I wasn't quite sure about, but. Um, being in the code 1159, this watch is, again, it's pushing the boundaries of what Audemars Piguet can do. Obviously, they're basing it off of one of the watches that they produced back in 1899 and bringing back those complications in a new way. And I think that is, I think that to me is, is um, a really important thing that a brand can do. Taking something, taking what is considered the, you know, one of the best pieces and centerpieces of the Audemars Piguet Museum of Watches and producing it in in a in a case and a design, uh, in the design language of of today, and I don't think you can underscore how important that is for for a brand to do so, um, because it's basically saying in eighteen ninety nine we could create one of these, and in twenty twenty three we can also create one of these and make it look incredibly beautiful. It's a complicated piece, so you know, looking at the dial, looking at the case construction and the thickness, it's it's. Not everyone's cup of tea. Maybe it's a little bit too complicated for many. But again, it's a very important part of demonstrating what Automat Piguet can do that from a technical perspective and also from a design perspective, integrating it with this new line of watches that is pushing the boundaries for the brand and moving them in, in a new direction or providing them a, within a, an alternative direction that isn't just the Automat Piguet Royal Oak. Last but not least, the uh, Legacy Machine number two uh, was a watch that was released, oh, I think it was 10 years ago at this point. Um, <clears throat> and MBNF released a couple weeks ago the um, Legacy Machine number two, but they sort of innovated with the uh, case uh, metal and dial color. They created a limited edition of 18 pieces in palladium and aquamarine blue. This aquamarine blue is an incredibly beautiful hue. One of my favorite colors is the... Um, is the uh, is the titanium version, which has sort of like a bluish green dial. The um, the uh, red gold and blue dial limited edition that they did as well is also really beautiful. But this blue is just a little bit um, lighter, a little bit more um, subtle, and I actually think it goes really nicely with the case um, with the palladium case um, color. It's to me a little bit more under the radar if you can say that about um, uh, an LM2. These watches are, are obviously have two flying balance wheels that oscillate independently and are averaged out to give you a more accurate time essentially. Um, I had the opportunity to put on one of the um, one of these uh, it was the uh, the platinum version with a with that was a limited edition of, of 18 pieces and boy does it have a presence on the wrist but Wow, it's so mesmerizing to 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 watch the the watch um watch oscillate um on your wrist um and it's 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 a really beautiful piece. I'll put a link in the show notes to the LM two so you can check it out. I'll I'll put a couple of links where we've covered the LM two as well on Life on the Wrist if you want to read um and and watch uh, our videos about about these pieces. But again, I think it's a nice addition, a cool case metal that I don't believe they've used um to create um. One of their uh, Legacy Machine number twos, and a, and a nice aquamarine blue uh, dial color that's um, that's really fabulous. Hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. 
check out the show notes so you can you can uh, see some of the pictures and, and articles that we mentioned during this during this podcast. If you are new to the podcast, be sure to leave a review. It really does help me out. Um, maybe I'll start doing a giveaway. I I I, I, um, I listen to a couple other podcasts where they do giveaways for people who leave reviews. So maybe I'll start that up and uh, and I can uh, I can ship maybe some some life on the wrist merch to you if if you'd be interested in that. If you are new to the podcast, be sure to follow us and share this podcast with a friend who might be interested in watches. With us, said, guys, I hope you all have a fa- uh, fantastic week, and until next time.